Hey, good morning. My name is Matt. I'm, I'm a Chiefs fan, right? And uh, we're talking about Devoted. The NFL's kicking off their season kind of this Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. And we kick off a new ministry season uh, today as well. The first Sunday after Labor Day, man, that's just when, when we kind of view it as here we go, man, a new season of ministry. So if it's your first time to New City Church, what a great day that you picked to come as we're kind of going again for another another fun, fun year. My name is Matt, like I said, and today we're going to kick off this series, Devoted. Now, when you came in the room, not only should you have received an insert, you should have received a, a Sharpie marker. Did you guys get your Sharpies? All right. Now, you can take notes with us if you want. I would encourage you not to highlight your Bibles because it will bleed through, all right? Um, but more than a writing tool, the reason I wanted to give it to you is as a reminder, a reminder. Like, I've already got one on my keychain, right? And what I wanted to serve as is a reminder that we are taking steps towards becoming a more devoted people, a more devoted people. And that is kind of my prayer for myself and each and every one of us over this next kind of ministry season year is that how do we become more devoted today towards God, not towards a team, but towards God than we've ever been before. And listen, that stuff doesn't just happen. Like uh, some language that we use here is life on purpose. It's with intentionality. And so we're going to pilot some things over the next seven weeks. Pilot means that we're going to simply try some things out, right? And one of these that we're going to try out is on the aisle of the rows here. So if you're in seat number one, I want you to reach underneath your seat and grab that clipboard. Now, if nobody's sitting there, somebody's going to get the closest to it. For the next seven weeks, we're going to take roll. We're going old school, baby. Old school. And I, I need you to print your name. All right, print your name and uh, just write it and pass it down the row. And we're going to do that at the beginning of every teaching, okay? And so you're like, I don't want to do it. You don't have to do it, right? But Jesus is watching, right? And so <laughs> you, do, you do whatever you think is best. We're going to take it. And the person who is on the ends of the, of the walls here, just set it underneath your chair, and our ushers will collect them at the end of service today. Now, as you're writing your name clearly so we can read it, why are we doing this, okay? One of our values over the next three years is this. It is extremely important to us at New City Church that you are known and that you know you're known. That you are known and you know you are known. What does that mean? I don't get it. When Maureen walks in the room, I'll pick on my friend Maureen, and I, and I see her and I go, oh, there's Maureen. That's cool. She came to church today. That's good that I know Maureen's name, right? But when I say, hey, Maureen, and she says, hey, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, you know my name, right? Hey, Matt, right? Now Maureen knows that I know her name, right? Like, and she knows that I know she's here. Listen, that is the heartbeat of what we're, why we're taking role, is I want you to know that you're known, and we're making an effort, we're making an effort and trying new things so that we can know you better. Now, some of you are like, I don't want you to know me, buddy. I want to hide in the corners. That's fine. You can hide in the corners for now, but at some point, I'm hoping that you will take a step out and engage what I believe to be a very, very good church family, okay? So just we're going to do that at the beginning of every teaching going forward for the next seven weeks, right? And then if those of you who make all seven, right, we're going to give you a little prize, a little, 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 yay, you did it. Awesome. Here's our core teaching for the next seven weeks. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And if you didn't have a chance to read my blog post that I put up there, kind of giving you some background that leads up to this verse, I would encourage you to take it a moment after church and read it and kind of get a little bit better context about what's going on here. But I want to read this. It's there on your inserts on the screen. It's also in your Bible. Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is what we read. Luke records this. All of the believers devoted themselves to the... Oh, there's where we get the series title, by the way. We're really, really cool here, right? All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. 
A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Who added to their fellowship? The Lord, right? Because I believe He could trust those people with more people. He could trust that first church with new people coming in. And I think the people, the surrounding neighbors who were watching this new church being born, I think they recognized something different about these people, how they loved. I think they noticed their devotion. I think they noticed how, how called they were, how devoted they were to a new style of living. I want to define the word devoted for you this morning. I think this is important. It's not a word that we use a lot, uh, but if you were to look up the word devoted, what you might find is it means very loving or loyal. Very loving or loyal. If you've been to New City very often, you know that I love the word loyal. I actually love the word loyal more than I love the word love. And here's why. We love all sorts of things. But we're loyal to very few. Think about it in your own life. How many times a week that you say, ooh, I love that. Oh, man, I love that soft taco. Oh, I love my Jeep. Oh, I'm just talking about me now, right? I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my house. I love the Chiefs. I love the Royals. And, and, and love means different things depending on what we're talking about, I hope anyway. But it's still a word that we use so often that it kind of loses its punch. But man, we are loyal to very few things. We're just, we're just not loyal people. Very, very few things. And so devoted in this series, what I want us to understand is when I say I want us to become more devoted over this next year, what am I saying? I want us, starting with me all the way to you, that we are loyal, loyal, loyal to our God. Is that not a good thing? Like, when you think about your life, man, how could I take a step towards more loyalty? Let's have a little fun. I want you to write down, in in just a moment, on your insert, what are you devoted to? Five things. Don't think too hard. Don't make your brain hurt, okay? But what are five things that you're devoted to? Now, before you start writing, let me kind of preface this. Don't get all spiritual on me because you're in church and put God number one, okay? Now, here's the thing. You can put God on your list if these two things have happened this week. If you've read your Bible... Now, if you haven't cracked your Bible all week, don't put God on your list, okay? The second thing that, you can, that must have happened this week before you could put God on your list, is you must have prayed. You go, oh, I pray all, every day. Now, listen, whining is not prayer. No, stay with me. Because you close your eyes and beg God to change something so that your life would be easier, that's not prayer. That's whining. Now, it could be good motivated whining, but it's whining. Prayer is, Lord, how do I align my life with what I see you doing, Okay? Petitioning God for you to understand what's going on and how you might be obedient even in the most frustrating of circumstances. So if you have read your Bible this week and you've prayed, man, you can put God on your list. That's totally fine. But just don't feel the pressure of, oh, I'm in church and Matt said God's watching, so I better put... God knows. God knows. So I've got a little music for you. And um, why don't you guys uh, write down your five devoted while we listen to this catchy little song.
All right. Was that enough time? We're going to see if you lose all your money. I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. What? Okay. Now, here's what I hope that you will discover by the end of the day. Even if you think that your list is not very spiritual, my hope is that you're going to discover by the end of the day how God could be all over your list. Maybe God didn't make your list today because you didn't do the two things that I said you had to do. But I think by the end of the day, you're going to look at it and say, Wow, you know what? God desires not for me to remove anything off of these five things, but He wants to be above them and below them, to the left and to the right, and front and back. He wants to be all around all of these areas of my life. Now, what I'm getting to is this. We think sometimes we want to complicate what it looks like to be devoted. We want to complicate it. And we want to think that, oh, I have to change all of these things in my life for me to be a devoted type of person, but that's just not the truth. And so I want to share with you this, this value statement, okay? So we're going to be talking through our values each and every week, and today we're going to start with you, okay? Like you, the person, are a value at New City Church. And here's how we say this statement. We say it like this. We believe that before God wants to use you to do something big, He first wants to do something big in you. Does that make sense? Like so many times when you come to church, you're hoping that the other person's paying attention. Where I would say when you come to church, I hope that you're paying attention. That when you're reading the Bible, you go, man, I wish my husband would read this verse. No, no, no. What does God want to say to you through that verse? And before God wants to use you to impact the world and to change your family, your street, your city, he first wants to say, I want to have place in your life where you're fully devoted to me. And when you're fully devoted to me, baby, watch out on what I'm going to do in your life. That's power in that. And so today, man, if you find yourself saying, man, I hope he's listening. Boy, I hope she's writing that down. Slap your hand. Say, no, no, you know you. Um, This is for me today. This is for me. So we're going to jump in here. Matthew 22, Jesus is pressed on this question of what does devotion look like? So a guy comes up to Jesus and says this, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus responds, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So when Jesus is pressed on what's the greatest type of devotion, he answers it in two ways. Love God and to love people. But he also tells us how to do that. And that's what we're going to look at today. And so I said we're going to pilot stuff through this entire series. We're going to pilot technology. Because when I write on this board, uh, the old people in the back can't see it. Charlie Blair said that to me, right? And so um, I didn't say it, a fellow old person said it, right? And so um, we're going to try to pilot technology by going to this fancy iPad here, and we're going to see, we're going to see if we can make this stuff work. Oh, man, looky here. Boom, shakalaka, boom, shakalaka, boom, shakalaka, boom. Awesome, we there? Okay. Did you like that talk? You know you're going to get that. So on the back side of your insert, I want you to play along with me today, okay? I want you to play along because... This is very practical to your individual life. Like I can make general statements for the entire church, but it 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 might miss where you are with the Lord. And so let's start off with this little pop quiz. What are the two things that Jesus said when when you think about devotion? What were the two things? Love. Okay. Love God. Is it going up there? What? Okay. And what was the second one? I'm just going to put love people. Is that okay? Is that all right with you guys? Love people. Okay, very cool. Now, 
we have to form out the, the rest of the matrix so that we kind of know where we might fall. And so the, what I want to present to you this morning is the opposite of loving God is not hating God. That's another kind of, kind of conversation. But when you think about devotion, if you're not devoted to God, the scriptures say that you're typically devoted to the world. And so at the bottom of my matrix, I'm going to put on, I love, I love the world. Now, that might sound kind of confusing, but beside your insert there, I want you to write this scripture, 1 John 2.16. 1 John 2.16. And that scripture says this, John says, loving the world looks like this. You have three specific cravings, three specific lusts. Like you want something. The three cravings are this. When you love the world at your, at your, at your weakest non-Jesus moment, your love of the world looks like this. Is that you love physical, or you crave uh, physical pleasure. You crave sex. Things that bring you uh, pleasure in that way. You crave more stuff. You crave possessions. And the third would be is that you crave power. The successes in life. So in your life, when you find yourself really, really craving physical pleasure, more, 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 more stuff and power, that's when you should know, wow, 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 I'm loving the world. I'm loving the world. That's the opposite of loving God. The opposite of loving people, I would say, is love yourself. Okay? And the way that I would like to, for us to kind of think about this is I, me, and my. I mean, when you're, when you're at the total, total other spectrum of, 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 of loving people, loving your neighbor, you find yourself completely self-absorbed. I, me, my. Everything you do is about Y-O-U. Everything. I mean, you're just, uh, you're just focused on what's best for you. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at how the church, how the Christian, right, how a godly-minded person might work himself or herself into these quadrants, and how in the world do we get out? And what I'm hoping that you might discover today is what in the world is God saying to you and what does he want you to do about it based on where you see yourself at. Let's define reality today. It's hard to change reality when you don't know the truth first of where you are. And so we're going to define some stuff. And so I've got a nice little clean slide right here. It's already got the nice little pretty buttons up, right, with a descriptor. And we're going to talk about each of these areas. And we're going to start right here at number one. Okay? Now I want you to help me out. Okay? What does it look like in the life of a person when they're fully devoted to the cravings of this world and they're totally devoted to themselves? What are some words that come to your mind that might describe that person? Can I tell you a secret? This is me without Jesus. I'm just going to be honest with you. As a Christian, as a person who confesses Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, the times of my life when I kind of go, yeah, God, you know what? I'm good. I am an extremely selfish person in every single way, in every way. And I say that because, you know what, I bet so are you. Now, we don't like to talk about that part of our life, right? But aren't there times during our week where we just really do whatever we want to do? And so when you find yourself or you see this being played out where you're being completely selfish, I, me, and my, and you're craving physical pleasure, stuff, or power, what are some words that describe this area of life? Help me out. What would you say? What does that look like in you? Self-centered. Can I put selfish, Tammy? Is it okay? Go from two words to one. So selfish. What else? What else comes to mind? You're never satisfied. So I'm going to do this. This means never for me. Not equal to uh, satisfied. I can't spell, by the way. How about this? It's going to be satisfied today if it's not. Someone else said something. Prideful? Okay. Prideful just simply would mean you, you, you're, you're not teachable. That you already know it, right? Prideful. Any other word come to mind? 
Ignorant? Okay. Let's see how ignorant I am. Can I spell it? Dark. Okay, dark. Now, these are words that I wrote down. What about you? This is you're thinking about your drawing your matrix. What would you describe? Now, let me ask you another question. Who in here wants to marry that type of person? Come on, raise them. Surely somebody wants to marry. How about this? How many of you business owners want to hire this type of person? No hands? Now, isn't this a fun truth? Sometimes we struggle. Like nobody in the room wants to have anything to do with a person that's all on themselves and crazy things in the world. But yet, man, we hate to put that list on our own life. Oh, ouch, Matt, stop. Listen, I had to be thinking through this all week long. I don't like this quadrant. Because I'm telling you, at my worst, that is me. Thank God for Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm going to brag a little bit. My cousin Zach Williams wrote Chainbreaker. If you believe it, if you received it, testify. You know that song? Maybe not. It's on Caleb all the time. You should listen to Caleb. I mean, that's me. Thank God that Jesus has pulled me out of that lifestyle. And when I find myself drifting back into it, man, the Holy Spirit convicts me of my behavior and says, you ain't allowed to live there, buddy. And if you're in the room today and you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but yet you spend the most of your life all about you and craving the things of this world, man, you need to, you need to repent. And that's not, I'm sorry, but that is not an area where God is honored or people recognize God in you. If this is your lifestyle and you go to work in this manner and you're craving power and it's all about you, I don't care how, what you're praying before work, the people that you work with, it is impossible to, for them to see Jesus in a person that is completely self-centered and loving the world. Please don't tell them you go to church here. Tell them you go to, uh, I don't know, what church you want to pick on? Lenexa Baptist. Tell them you go there, all right? They're friends of mine. All right. We're going to move on because we don't want to live in that world for long. What about right here, where you really love people? You love people, but you also love the world. Now, I don't want to go too crazy here because this area right here, these two, okay, these two is where I think a lot of us spend a lot of our spiritual time. And let me explain. I'm going to go back and forth, okay, between here and here. Down here in this quadrant, in the love people and love the world, this is those of us who are believers, and we have a lot of people who are friends of ours, maybe a, a, a family, maybe even children, co-workers, people that we hang with, our buddies, our friends, who don't know Jesus. But yet you do know Jesus. And you have a hard time in these relationships directing those things that you do back to the Father. Like you're going to go watch a football game today with a bunch of friends who you're pretty sure don't walk with Jesus, and you, you don't know how to navigate anything back spiritually. And I'm not saying that you walk in and you hold your Bible. I'll get to all that stuff in a minute. But we struggle in our social relationships directing them back to God because they tend to center all on, on this kind of stuff right here. And, it's kind of, and, you, and you walk, some of us who may be new in the faith, maybe some of us who are old in the faith, we even find ourselves doing things that we would never do. When we're with these people, you're just like, oh, man, you, you, you drive home and you're like, I did it again. And you don't know how to you don't know how to navigate these social waters with people who don't yet know Jesus, who have a different set of values. Right. Rather than uh, without just completely cutting them off. And I say that on purpose because those people up here in this quadrant right here, we tend to cut people off. If you're in this quadrant, man, do you love God? But you've stopped loving your neighbor because your neighbor does stuff that you don't agree with. 
And so rather than how do, how do I have conversations when they have different political views or different social views or they smoke things that I don't smoke or they drink too much that I don't drink that much and whatever it might be, instead of trying to figure out how do I do life with them, instead you just simply cut them off. And so here it can become very isolated. And all of a sudden, all of your friends are church friends. And all of your people that you do life with are, are, think and believe and act just like you. But on the other end, down here in, in this I love people and hate the world, you're great. Man, you have so many, you still have so many friends that don't go to church anywhere, don't attend a Bible study, they don't have prayer, but yet you struggle with trying to figure out how do I read a... It's kind of like this. Uh, I don't know if this makes sense, but it's almost like godless discipleship. You do life together in every way, but you just struggle. How do I bring God into the conversation? How cool would it be, church? How cool and great and fantastic would it be if there was someone who could stand in the gap between those two? Man, how wonderful would it be if we had somebody that lived right here and they were able to put a little halo on their head because it would be pretty great, right? How great would it be if we had somebody that was able to reach into this quadrant and to reach down to this quadrant and pull us all back up to the right way? Oh, wait, we do. What is his name? Okay, that's, that's good. Some of you didn't say it, though. What's his name? Jesus, right? Sometimes like, we don't even like saying the word because it sounds so weird. But practice saying it with me. Who's our Savior? Jesus. Like there's power in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is the one, God's one and only Son, who moved onto the planet. John, uh, what is it? John chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That's what it literally means. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God stepped out of heaven in the person of Jesus Christ and he moved into your neighborhood. And what did he do when he was there? He said, I want you to, sh- I'm gonna, I want you to watch me. I'm going to show you how I'm going to extend a hand to the Father and then extend a hand to a neighbor. And we're going to be able to do life together. And so all of you guys who struggle investing your life in somebody, watch what I do. And all of you people who struggle t- turning the, 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 the conversations around the tailgate or around the party to the Father, watch what I do. Like we have, a, we have a mentor. We have a person who's done it with us. And so like our mission statement here at New City says, uh, inspiring you to trust in and live like Jesus. But there may be a third one. Inspiring you to trust in, to live like, and walk with Jesus. To be with Jesus. To remain with Jesus. Because it's more than just acting like him. He is the reason. Like, here's the thing. Jesus will get you to do things that you never could, that I never could. Jesus will convince you to do something that I could never convince you to do. For example, if you're up in this quadrant right here and you're a person who stays isolated, which means there's no discipleship happening in your life, you're receiving all of the love from the Father, but yet you're not being a conduit to anyone else, you know what Jesus will, might just might get you to do? He might get you uncomfortable. And he might put somebody on your heart, a name, a face, somebody in this church, and he might begin to nudge you, poke at your heart saying, that one's yours. Go talk to them. Oh, but I don't want to. They're, they're people, right? People frustrate me. People are aggravating. And it's, you're, you're comfortable in your little Christian bubble with your little Christian family, with, your, with, your, with everything's kind of in order. If I invite somebody into my space, they're going to get me dirty. No, 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 no. See, dirty things don't get holy people dirty. Holy people get dirty people clean. But if you just go do that on your own, in your own willpower, here's what I can tell you will happen. At some point, that person, guy or girl, is going to drive you bonkers and you're going to walk away from them. But if Jesus tells you to do it, if Jesus says, this is the one that I've put before you, then you best follow Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 14, if you love me, obey my commandments. And if you're living in this quadrant, and man, you're such a safe Christian. Oh my gosh, but truth is, probably you're judgmental. 
right? You're frustrated at the world. You can't watch TV because you stay angry all the time. Man, some of you are laughing because I'm talking to you, right? Man, who is the Lord asking you to disciple? And here's what I'll guarantee you. He's asking you to do that. Why? Because that's what he modeled for us. Did Jesus get alone and pray? Absolutely. But then he stood up from his kneeling position and he went and he invited men and women into his life to teach them the things of the Father. If you're down here and you're in this kind of quadrant right here, God might be saying to you, this is how, this is how you're going to do this. Watch what I did. Every, I, said, I said earlier how, you know, if you didn't put God on your list, that, that God really can be all over your list. I want to give you some practices just real quick, maybe just one or two. When you're hanging with your buddies who don't know God, whether it be bunko, football, baseball, wrestling, somebody gave me wrestling cards this morning. I haven't even opened them yet, all right? I hope Seth Rollins is in there. He's my favorite, right? Right? But they gave me wrestling. You know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'll use me as an example. I'll pick on me. We host wrestling sometimes at the church, events. Not, we don't wrestle. We watch it on TV, right? It hasn't, I'm not saying we won't, but we haven't yet, right? And, um... Now, why do I do that? It's to get guys in the room with other guys. Now, I'm going to watch it at my home all by myself. Like, I can very well be isolated watching my wrestling and enjoy it. Or I can say, you know what? I'm going to invite people that I love who also love wrestling to watch it together. And together, we're going to bless the food before we eat. And what I do is I just kind of walk around. Those of you guys who have been there with me, you see me do this. I sit by somebody and then I move. And I just... Just talk. Now, if you're doing that today in any kind of environment, whether it be a game, uh, uh, whether it's football, pick something, it doesn't matter. When you find yourself in an environment with other people who don't necessarily know Jesus well, and actually these guys that I'm walking with at wrestling, they, they have a faith built in. But sometimes we go to environments where there's not. Here's a practice. Maybe you see your friend Aaron over there, and in your mind you go, Lord, I know Aaron's going through a divorce. I just pray for him. Under your breath. You're not saying, guys, can you hit pause on the DVR? I just want to take a minute to pray for Aaron, everybody. Because they're going to drop their beer looking at you like you're a bozo, okay? But in your head and heart, say, Lord, I, just, I, want, to, I want to pray for my friend Aaron. I know he's going through a difficult time. If you give me the opportunity, I will take it. And I will love on my friend. So maybe at some part during the game today, you can go over and you can sit by your friend. And during a commercial break or something, you just lean over and say, hey, bud, how you doing? Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And if you ever want to talk, I'll be a good listener. See, you just took something that maybe wasn't spiritual and put God right in the middle of it. Because what the Holy Spirit does in that moment is He works through you, and the Holy Spirit goes to work on your buddy Aaron's heart and life. Now, He may not talk to you that day. He may not talk to you for the next week. But it's not that you just say it to Him one time. Maybe if God puts Aaron on your heart on Tuesday, you may be to shoot him a text and say, Hey, bro, thinking about you today. Hope you're doing okay. And, and if you're not stalking him, because I said, if God puts him on your heart. But I'm telling you, some of us that live, this is, I'm telling you, this is me. Some of us that live in this world right here, we should have a list of people's names that we're doing life with. Because here's the question I would ask you. Do you love people or do you not love people? If you're in this quadrant, yes, you love them. Yes, you love them. But you know that your social justice is only going to get them so far. At some point, Jesus has to invade their space just like he invaded yours. And so the Lord has placed you there. Please don't run from your friends. Now, you have to use wisdom. Some of you have to make a hard decision sometimes, and you have to quit going out to all hours of the night because you do stupid stuff with, when you're with your friends. And this is what I did when I was in that environment. I came to Christ in my college years. A lot of people run away from God in college. I ran towards. 
And here was a practice that I started doing. Whenever I was going out with my friends, I made sure I had control. I didn't let them drive. Like, I would meet them there so that if I needed to leave, I could leave. If they decided they wanted to go to some place that I just was not going to go because of my new value system, because Jesus was my boss and my savior, I wanted to have the freedom that I could leave that. If it made them mad, who am I going to love more? Who am I going to be more devoted to? God or their opinion of me? I made the decision that I'm going to love the snot out of them, but be devoted as all get out to the Father. So here's what I want to say to us this morning. Where is the best place, okay, on your paper, where is the best place that you think, where's the best place to live? Where's the best place to live on this piece of paper? Okay, somebody said top right. That's what I said first too. Charlie Blair changed my mind. Here's the best place for every one of us to live. Right here. Love God. Because if you swing all the way over here, you deny yourself. I don't think, I don't think your life should be so like, well, if I love people, man, I can't leave the bar even though everybody's getting wasted. Man, I can't leave them because I love people when they start rolling the joint. Man, if they want to go to the strip club and I got to go because I got to love people. Stop it. Right? Stop it. I'm, I'm, I'm being a missionary. I bet you are. Right? I bet you are. Yeah. Wait, can I tell you a quick story? I was doing my graduate work in Wheaton, and I you know, had some creative guys in the class, and real spiritual. Hope they're not watching this. But uh, they were like, well, I think you should be able to go to a strip club and witness, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, you guys are so full of it. I'm just sitting there. And I can only take so much as a person, all right, before I speak up. And I go, I got a question, guys. Do you really mean it? And they're like, absolutely. Like, you should be able to go. I said, what if your friends wanted to go to a gay strip club? Would you still feel the calling to go? Well, you know, I don't know if we should do that. I said, stop, stop, stop. So anyway, that's my story. All right. The reason I think it's important to live right here, if you will focus your life loving God with everything you have, right, and keep a healthy rhythm between, because Jesus got alone to pray, and then he went and he loved people, right? But if you live all the way over here, when in the world are you going to refresh yourself? When? And if you live all the way over here, when are you going to change the people around you through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's working in your life? And so my question to us this morning is this. Let me go to a new slide. I'll ask it like this. What does God want you to do? I'm not going to tell you. Where are you in your devotion to the Father right now? And what does God want you to do? And whatever he's asking you, here would be my encouragement to you. Take a step in that direction. Take a step in that direction. There are men and women in this room who are going to be tremendous influencers on people's life, even in this church right now. And I would ask you to take a step in that direction. Some of you pour yourselves out so much for the world that you're exhausted sometimes. What does it look like for you to find a a sense of solitude and peace in your life, a healthy rhythm. And all the while, and all the while, loving God more. And when we do that, when you do that, I'm telling you, man, the Holy Spirit will work through your life like never before. But what's God saying? Would you write that on your piece of paper? This is what God's saying to me. This is what I need to do. This is what God is asking of me. That I'm going to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, man, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And we accomplish those two things, right? You say, Matt, I'm too busy. Oh, my goodness. What's God saying to you then? 
if you're too busy to do the two greatest commandments, then what's God saying to you? If you say, but I don't want to do that, that's fine to say that, but what's God saying to you? It's the two greatest commandments. They're not called the two greatest suggestions. It's not that if you get around to it or once your retirement gets built up to where you want it to be or once your business gets set or once you kind of get your bills in order. He says, hey, uh, Jesus, what do I do most? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God, greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so I'm busy and I don't want to. Don't make the cut. What's God saying to you in those moments? And some of us need to repent. Some of us need to ask the Lord to fire us up and give us a white-hot faith for himself? Because this is not a, uh, what's that old saying, you, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? Is that how you say it? First of all, it's impossible. Try it when you get home. Just try it. You'll be laying there all next Sunday, right? <laughs> I don't believe in that type of Christianity. Jesus doesn't ask you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. He says, take my hand and follow me. Some of you are wore out because you're trying to do it. And Jesus says, when you're done, let me know and I'll step in and we'll get this baby rolling. Right? Will you follow me? And when we do, man, that's our loyalty to the Father. And man, that is my heart and my prayer for this church. Is that we are a people fully devoted to God and to our neighbor. And when you live that way, oh man, come on, let's see what, here's what God will do. Just what he did in Acts 2, 47. And he added to their number daily. Can I pray this over us? And you can even look at me while we're praying. Did you know that God can still hear you with your eyes open? It's amazing, right? Can this be our prayer? That God, could we be more devoted to you in our love for you, in our love for our neighbor, so that you can trust us with more? And God, you can determine what more is. But God, that you can trust us. As a church, could you trust us with more? Now think about your own individual life. I want to pray a blessing over you. And I'm just asking you to receive it. My prayer is this for you in your life is that God, will you trust each individual in this room because you see our devotion, that you see Chad's devotion, you see Eric's devotion and Jeremy and Brenda's devotion in such a way and just go down the list. I can read the rows later and just call you out by name. God, would you see uh, uh, Adolfo's devotion in such a way that you can trust him and her more with whatever it is that you want to give them? How great would it be if you were an individual that simply trusted God and God could trust you? Oh my goodness, what a sweet spot to be in, amen? So be it, word, they mean the same thing. That's what I want for you. I want you to be that wherever you be, there Jesus is. He's all over your list. Don't you scratch things off that list. Don't you dare scratch things off that list. You say, God, you move in my life wherever I go, amen?